Sales funnels may sound like a confusing term if you're not familiar with them, but when it comes to making money while you sleep, they're incredibly valuable. My next guest is a digital marketing architect who will tell us what you need to know to crush it with sales funnels. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah hassel Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today's guest is Jason Wright. He says he can simplify your sales funnel while skyrocketing your results with marketing automation. Jason is an author, entrepreneur, consultant, and digital marketing architect with a passion for helping startups and small businesses with their sales funnels. He also prides himself on his ability to connect with people and speak to them in language they understand, which is very good because when you start talking about the internet stuff and especially back-end automation, it can get very technical very fast. And unless you enjoy that type of thing, it's easy to push it aside. So some plain talk is very refreshing. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I mean, sales funnels, the role of sales funnels in digital marketing is something not all small businesses or even medium-sized businesses may be fully taking advantage of to grow their business. So just to be clear, in the simplest terms, what is a sales funnel? I mean, the way I've been describing it lately is it's really, um, it's kind of your customer journey, right? From the time somebody discovers you or your brand uh, to the point where they make a purchase and beyond. Okay. So what steps are involved there? Yeah. So, you know, step one is uh, having some kind of offer or some kind of way to attract people into your world. When I say into your world, it's generally, you know, getting them onto an email list in exchange for value. So let's be honest, um, join my list to get my newsletters, not too valuable in 2020. So generally there's, you know, some kind of a lead magnet, there's some kind of a value exchange there. And uh, once you have the ability to establish that new relationship and you have the ability to lead with value, uh, then over time you can gain trust and you can, you know, make a sale or make repeated sales as well. So uh, it's really a way of moving people online, uh, kind of to your landing page or your website, get them onto your email list, and most importantly, keep that relationship going. All right. That's a great overall 10,000 foot view. So thank you for mm -hmm. simplifying it. And so we all speak the same language about what a sales funnel <laughs> is a, trying to accomplish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now your business tagline talks about simplifying a sales funnel to skyrocket results. So simplifying yep. is good. Do most people overthink or over engineer their sales funnels? Help me understand that simplification process. Yeah, I mean, like you said in the beginning of the show, I think when I think a lot of people have heard of sales funnels, at least uh, conceptually at this point, ClickFunnels has done a good job of getting that word out there. I think a lot of people, as soon as they start to think about it, they kind of freeze up and they're like, I don't have time to learn new stuff. I don't have time to think about things I don't really understand. I, I think it's one of those things that feels important, but people avoid it because they assume it's going to be too complicated and they're not going to have time. How do we conquer that fear? Because it sounds like they're important. Yeah, they're very important. What I try to tell people is, you know, if you think of marketing as relationship building, the same thing you would do with a brand new next door neighbor, it'll become much easier for you. 
So at some point, there's a, an introduction, right? Hi, I'm Jason. Hi, I'm Hannah. Nice to meet you. And where most businesses fail is they do that, and then they never speak again. And then they come out of nowhere and say, hey, you want to buy my stuff? And people are like, uh, "Who are you? what's your name again? Who are you? I don't, I don't remember who you are. So they kind of miss that whole getting to know you. But a good sales funnel can uh, bring people into your world. It can allow you to um, have a very comfortable, very conversational getting to know you period. And then over time, as value is exchanged, uh, you know, you can sell your products and your services. So if you think of it uh, kind of as a, a path that people can take consistently, everybody can take the same path. It's a really good way to kind of build your list, um, increase that engagement with your with your new audience here and, uh, you know, hopefully make more sales as well. Okay. So again, we're talking in broad brush strokes here. What are some mm-hmm. do's and don'ts in creating a sales funnel? Yeah, and the sales funnel, I mean, you really need to know who you're targeting. You need to know uh, specifically who you're targeting. And then the reason that's so important is your, you know, your headline and your messaging and your, your copy on your sales page has, has got to speak to those folks in a way that actually gets their attention, hooks them and resonates with them. So, you know, you, you need to know who you're targeting. You need to know uh, what they want, not necessarily what they need. And you need to be um, adding value and taking away pain. So, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, what converts well or, or what gets people's attention is uh, shortcutting the process. Like, hey, here's a course that's going to give you this result much quicker than if you try to figure it out on your own as an example. Or it could be a physical product. Here's a supplement that's going to get rid of, um, you know, the gas or whatever you struggle with. And here's why it's great. So it's it's a way to put the right message in front of the right audience in, like I said, an automated way. All right. Well, let's talk about the automation part. Sure. What are, what are the pieces? And is if the process is simplified, is this something a small business can do themselves? Um. They can, but the problem is there is a learning curve. So the learning curve is oftentimes um, too great or too overwhelming for for the average entrepreneur, small business owner to to take. Um, If if they're not in this business themselves, like I am, they've got better things to do with their time, right? So a lot of times what what these folks decide is it's easier to partner up with somebody that can kind of uh, be their guide and keep them moving along that path on their own. There are some people that love trying to do it themselves, and they can. It just requires uh, time and you know some work outside of what they normally do to, to get a good competency, competency with it, for sure. Let's break it down, because whether somebody's trying to do it themselves or is outsourcing, they need to know what they're purchasing, so what the expectation is. What mm-hmm. are the building blocks of a sales funnel? We talked about it conceptually, but in yeah. terms of the automation and putting pieces in place, tangible pieces in place, help me out. Yep. So there's basically three pieces. Piece number one is the front end. That's the stuff you see, the websites, the landing pages, the sales pages, et cetera. That's what everybody thinks of when they think of a sales funnel. They think it's just the front end. Um, The front end is important, but it's not the, it's not the engine. It's not the most important piece. Okay. So we've got that. Uh, Number two is the back end. That's the thing that nobody understands. That's where the real magic happens. And that's where um, everybody should be starting. That's building the email list. That's you know, sending the automated messages and texts and uh, all those type of things. And then the third piece of the puzzle is the traffic. How are we going to get people to land on the landing page or go to the website if you think of it in those terms? So those are the big three pieces. What I help people build is that back end, that front end, and then traffic is uh, usually a mix of paid ads and organic strategies to drive people there as well. I'm not a techie. 
But it sounds like it got a little bit of a chicken egg question here with that second step here, that back end about Mm -hmm. building lists, because Mm -hmm. I kind of got the impression somewhere along the line and not necessarily from our conversation, but just sort of, you know, living and breathing in in web world and internet world (laughs) that the one of the purposes of having a landing page and having people sign up with an email is that it's a list building process. Mm-hmm. So then you're saying you need the list on the back end, but the list is being built on the front end. That's what I'm saying, chicken egg here. Yeah, the opt-in for the list is on the front end. So for example, I meet people all the time that may be very successful in business or not so much. And they'll have the front end opt-in on the website of the landing page, but it doesn't go anywhere. So they're having people opt in, but nothing happens because there's nothing on the back end. It's kind of like having a door. Uh, so once upon a time, my in-laws had a, a door behind their dining room and you would open it. And if you would step out, you would fall 30 feet because they had like a, like a walkout basement and they lived on a hillside. They, they hadn't built the deck yet. So now there's a deck you can walk out and, uh, you know, walk around and everything like normal. But once upon a time, it was the door to nowhere is what we called it. Cause it would just literally, you would just fall down the ravine. So a lot of websites and landing pages, as crazy as it sounds, have the opt-in for the email list, but there's no back end. Like literally it doesn't exist. So people go nowhere. So you're saying there's just no follow-up emails. There's no continuous contact in any way, shape or form. Yeah, in some cases, people aren't even going to a list. They just there's an opt-in that looks like it works, and it may take you to the next next page, but there's literally not even a list. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's definitely yep, I you know. I see that a lot more than you would think. Wow. Okay. Somebody needs to check their links, and not just have them go to nowhere or, or fall out the dining room door. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the back end, and yep. what what is a good frequency for people to stay in contact with their list and find they've got the initial opt-in offer, but what else can they say in those continuous emails? Because I understand that that can be automated. It can be pre-programmed. So one goes out uh, it, you know, on a Wednesday or whatever day you pick. Question mm-hmm. is, how frequently would you recommend? And how do you come up with content for that? So it's a great question, and I'll tell you, a vast majority of, of businesses and entrepreneurs drop the ball here. So if we go back to that relationship building piece, hey, I'm Jason, you know, come be my friend, and I'll give you this great resource, this book, and this video series to help you do X. So a lot of companies will do that, and then like you say, after that, it's awkward. There's nothing else to talk about, right? So I'm a fan of weekly communication. So I love automation. I have tons of stuff automated in my business, but I also see the value in ongoing actual manual written content reason why the world marketing our environment and business changes all the time so um it's not going to feel real if you try to automate all of that because it's you can't make everything evergreen so just like the relationship piece i have to actually put in effort of sometimes i educate sometimes i entertain Sometimes I do make uh, a sales pitch. Sometimes I ask questions and say, hey, respond and let me know what you think. So you have to actually put an effort to build that relationship with this new list, just like you would a person in real life. It's literally no difference. Well, that's that's good advice. Is there any place that people could go for tips on how to provide information or content for those back end emails? 
So that, that's a great question. I mean, are you asking for like a resource of my own or what are you asking for in that regard? Sometimes people just need, maybe this is a, a tip list that maybe you have or could create where people yeah. are just kind of looking for um, inspiration for, yeah. they're coming up with a blank and you've yep. just given us a couple of ideas. Educate. Well, like what type of education? Would it be a video? Would it be uh, um, a download of a list? Or is it just, you know, here's a little case study. This, we just came across this. And, you know, if, if you've had this in your business, we could help you with X, Y, Z. The entertainment, you know, it's like, how far out on a limb do you go? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's great. I, I get what you're saying. So uh, all the above, yeah. I like the variety. Um, some people like to read the written work. Some people like video. Video is pretty powerful. So mixing it up with both of those is a great idea. Here's the nice thing about emails. There's, there's no rules. Uh, I would encourage everybody listening, don't be scared to show your personality in your writing. The more authentic you can be with your true self, the more conversation will be conversational you can be, uh, I think the better you'll like the results. And there's always those people who say, but Jason, you don't understand my business. It's different. It's not really, right? We're dealing with people. It's still relationships. I've worked with tons of different people in tons of industries, and this stuff does work. So um, you've got to try different stuff, right? You've got to create headlines that get um, curiosity. And what I do for the content side, especially like with our blog and our business, and, and this could spill over to email as well, is my team and I come up with like five different contact buckets. All right, here's our brand, intentionally inspirational. What, what do we talk about and focus on? It's not just marketing. That's too boring and narrow. There's got to be more. So like with us, it's um, startups, it's entrepreneurship, it's digital marketing, it's motivation, and it's mindset, right? So it gives us uh, the ability to kind of Venn diagram and have a little bit of overlap with our core brand, but, core brand, but mix it up a little bit week to week. So uh, I would encourage everybody to think of their business that way. Say, okay, what are, you know, three to five different areas that kind of overlap, still reflect the business accurately that we can talk about, joke about, share tips on, and keep things interesting. Just like if you're my neighbor I don't want to talk about the weather every single time I see you. Let's mix it up and talk about something else once in a while as well. So going back to that conversation, that relationship building idea. Now, earlier you said that the whole automation and the back end and maybe even setting up the opt-in page can feel overwhelming for mm -hmm. people who are in business and you know they're not necessarily techies. They're not inclined. It, it scares them for whatever reason, and they want to be able to hire somebody to do that work for them. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions should they be asking when vetting somebody? Because you know a lot of people they oh they talk a good game, you know, and yeah. oh they can do everything. They can do this. They can do that. And then you know you're spending a lot of money. And it's like okay, what do we got here? You know, and there's always tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's like, okay, well, guess what? Tomorrow just came. That was yesterday. Now, what have you done for me? How do you like short circuit that process? And I don't mean time-wise because things do take time, but to make yeah. sure you find somebody with the proper skill set that can deliver. What should we be looking for? That's a phenomenal question. And I can feel a little bit of your own pain in, in that question. And that's uh, not abnormal. A lot of people will tell me about the horror stories they've had with, you know, folks, quote unquote, that do what I do. Um, so what I would recommend, you know, if I were in that position looking for somebody like me or somebody like that, I would uh, Google the name of the company, check them out on major social media platforms, not just one, 
I find that when a new client comes to me, they generally check me out. Cause I ask, I say, where'd you find me? Like, you know, did you just go there and find me or is there more staff? So I really ask. And I find it's generally two to five stops before they jump on a new call. So it's really interesting and it helps me understand that customer journey. So I would say, uh, Google the name of the company, look for reviews, not one or two. See if you can find a bunch, right? Um, if somebody's prices seem really cheap, that, that's a huge red flag. You're not going to get good outcomes in this business with low prices. They just don't go together. So that's a big red flag. If you feel the need to ask for, can I speak to a referral somebody you've worked with? Go for it. Um, you definitely want to see examples of their work. Uh, you want to understand what the plan is, what the timeline is. Anything you can, some kind of a kickoff conversation is really important as well. But those are all things I would be looking at uh, before pulling the trigger myself. So those are things to be put into a proposal because you're not just going to hire somebody blind and say, yeah, come on by and uh, just send me the invoice. It does happen, though. I'll be honest with you. It does happen, <laughs> believe it or not. So. Okay. All right. All right. I had a conversation like that today, actually, but it happens <laughs> sometimes. But some people are a little bit more cautious and more structured. I actually uh, don't even use written proposals anymore. I make a screen share video and I draw on a web whiteboard type of thing and say, like with pictures, like, here's what we're talking about. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the timeline and the price. And if you want to do it, here's how it works. And if not, no problem. So I, I, I'm kind of a, um, <laughs> I'm kind of loosey-goosey with it that way, but it works really well. It is my personality, and I've been doing it a while, so I, I do deliver. So uh, we're, we're all different. We all have got that creative freedom in that regard, and if it works for you, keep rolling with it, you know? No, and, and actually, your your video proposal is just a, it's another way of managing expectation. You're just using a different oh, format, yeah. you know, whether it's written yeah. or whether it's in video or whether it's PowerPoint. I mean, I don't care what medium you use. The idea is to be able to set expectations. So it's like not just a black hole that somebody is pouring money into, hoping they're going to find something at the other end, because what they're expecting and what the person who's who's being hired may be expecting could be two totally different things unless you have that conversation to really make clear, here's what we think we can do, here's how we're going to go about doing it, here's what you can expect, and in what time frame. So uh, doing it in video, I think, is great because, again, as you said, it helps build the relationship because it's very real. So Yep. You just gave me another thought that I think is really important for what we're talking about. What's that? Sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Um, so anytime I do like a new client call, I always use Zoom and I always am on video. I don't care if the client's on video or not. I'm on video because when I'm talking, you're watching me, you're judging me, and you're deciding, do I think this person is believable and do I think they can help me? Whether you like me or not doesn't really matter. You'll still hire me if you don't like me, although I would guess most people like me. I don't know why they wouldn't, but really the point is if I put myself out there on video and I show up on time, that's a good sign. Now, if somebody refuses to have a call with you, we can actually hear their voice and speak to them, I wouldn't hire them. I would be like, there's something wrong here. Is this person really who they say they are? There's a lot of people that will pose as a funnel builder, and they're just going to pass it off to a real funnel builder and try to make a markup on it. So you got to be very careful with that as well. That's a really good observation because yep. the thing is, that, that tells you something about their communication style. So if the sauce yep. hits the fan, how are you going to communicate with them? So There's a lot of people overseas that do this type of work, and there's nothing wrong with that. But 
if it were me and my money, I want to be able to have a conversation with somebody. I don't want to disappear in a bunch of forwarded emails and, and never get a, you know, get a resolution. So and I see that stuff happen all the time. So. Right. The buck has to stop with somebody that is accountable that you can actually contact. Yep. So excellent mm-hmm. point. Thank you. You talked a little bit about mindset as being something that your team talks about and actually uses to help build rapport. You know, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed by digital marketing and the feeling that with every new article or podcast like this that you hear, oh my God, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. What advice do you have about staying focused and motivated? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny recently, and, and I would say maybe today's Thursday, earlier this week, I was sitting here where I'm at now in my office and I was looking out the window and I said, you know what, I'm coming full circle with this. I've been doing this business for five years, and five years in a month, and, and I'm back to where I started thinking the foundation of all of this, even marketing, is actually mindset because, um, you know, marketing to do it properly, you've got to say, okay, this is who I'm targeting. This is a customer journey. And I'm going to make that consistent effort to build relationships and nurture them and, and keep them going. And you've got to be in a, a resilient state of mind to do that. Well, you've got to be confident. You've got to have fun with it. Cause if you're none of those things, you're not going to do it. You'll find reasons not to do it. So um, mindset, super duper important with marketing. I would say, keep it simple, start small. And I would say, set up an email list and say, okay, how can I give value and get people on the list is the most basic thing. Uh, I've got friends that have phenomenally successful businesses that are all fueled by social media. And I always tell them if that platform gets crazy or the algorithms change or it shuts down, what are you going to do? Like you have, you're building a castle on sand and rented sand at that. So the email list is still the ultimate asset that you own online. So I would say start, you know, start very simple Put your personality and use conversational language and videos and then copy with your social media and your emails as well. Um, do you need to be everywhere on social media? No. Um, you know, if your target, if you're a business to business, you know, LinkedIn's probably going to be important for you. Facebook's probably going to be important. Uh, surprisingly, TikTok might be important for you as well. Okay. If you're business to consumer, LinkedIn's not going to be real important to you. Twitter is probably not going to be super important to anybody. I'm not a big Twitter fan, but there's people that will argue with me. My point is you can have success with all the available options out there, but email is going to trump all social media as far as what's the actual value long-term for all those reasons I just mentioned. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jason. This has really been an interesting and informative discussion, and I appreciate your insights and your time. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. That's our show for today, but don't go anywhere. I have a really easy ask for you. Would you please open your podcast app and give us a five-star review and leave a comment about what you love most about the show? I do read them all, and it'll take you less than a minute. And while you're at it, share this episode. Tell someone about it, because the best way to grow our audience is by word of mouth. And if you want the detailed show notes, links to connect with my guest, or cool stuff that we talked about, even if you want to ask a question or have a show idea, come on over to businessconfidentialradio.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And in the meantime, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.